Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 17th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 52, starting with paragraph 1. And today's readers are Diane G., 12 Steps, Debbie B., 12 Traditions, reading the text, Judy F., Sally A., and Terry H. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, February 16, 2015, is 7333. 7333. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here today to read the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for his knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. I will now ask Debbie B. to read the Twelve Traditions. Thanks, Melanie. Hi, all. Debbie B., um, 
Compulsive Overeater, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants that they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, Melanie. I pass. Thank you, Debbie B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the Big Book on page 51, paragraph 2, for context, and we will focus our sharing then on page 52, paragraph 1. And I will ask Judy F. to begin our study. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, visionaries. This is Judy F., compulsive overeater, recovered, and grateful in Massachusetts. We asked ourselves this. Are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts at flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true 
that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people in set, people said God had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story, and airplane travel was in full swing. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I bet they do it. Maybe not so long either. Is that not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something new which does? And I'm going to put my timer on. Okay, so here we are in step two, and we've been um, giving all these reasons why, well, first of all, liberation of our thinking. Back in um, more about alcoholism, doctor's opinion, even uh, more um, the, um, the solution our problem is our thinking, and, and I had to see that. I, I didn't just jump into we agnostics. Um, my sponsor had me start right from the beginning, and I had to understand what the problem was. And the greater aspect of the problem was that peculiar mental twist. And, um, and then in, on More About Alcoholism, it says, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind or any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. And that was my old thinking. Um, I thought, well, if I just get down to a weight, if I just abstain from having dessert or just sugar, then I'll be able to, um, then I, I won't have a problem. The problem will be gone. And that's just not the case with a real alcoholic, a real compulsive overeater as I am. And then, um, the reading this morning, we discard old ideas for new by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget, which does not work for something which does. And over and over, I have to see how my ideas of therapy, eating disorder groups, two hospitalizations, all the different diets, having moderate meals, going to church, all of those ideas did not work. Um, and I was completely ready when I came to this book and was given this to know what the problem was and the solution. I was ready to follow the certain um, rules that they have, the steps that they talk about in this book. And I had to see over and over how my ideas were not did not work. And later, um, coming up, in, before we get to step three, it'll say, you know, we were reborn. And that's what it's talking about. We have to have all new ideas and new personality and a change. And the only way I had this was first my willingness to be open-minded for a new way and, the, and the, um, the action steps I took. But ultimately, it was the higher power that came into me and that I continue to have every Every day, every morning, I wake up to him. But this step just gives so much hope. And all we have to do is have that little hope, that little voice that says, okay, maybe I'll try something different. I'll have that open mind and something else can work. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Judy F. Who would like to comment on this paragraph today? Mary, Mary A. Hi, Mary. Anyone else before we move on? Larry. Good morning, Larry. Okay, let's go with uh, Mary A and then Larry K. Sharon H. I grabbed you up, Sharon. Okay, Mary, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's Mary, Mary A. Um, abstinent and grateful and recovered. And um, I thank you for the reading of this. You know, step two, in my own life, I've had so many, so many spiritual experiences. I couldn't even count. I have really, I believe, met the living God. But it wasn't until I was 18 that I found a personal God. But, you know, in every area of my life, I was getting help. But when it came to the food, I didn't get very far at all. And then God brought me to the rooms. And it was just last week after eight years of being in the rooms that God spoke to my heart. I was standing in the kitchen. He said, Mary, you don't have to be ashamed for this disease. I didn't even know I was. That's why you went out three or four years ago. You were so defiant because you didn't want to have to come to the rooms to get healed of this disease. But I brought you here, and it was here that you will get your healing through um, through the steps. And so I came, and I realized now that that was the threshold, because it surely wasn't the threshold of me coming to know God, because I always knew God. But it was the threshold of coming into finding God, helping me through all of you, to um to really overcome and um it's just been the most wonderful experience and I'm I'm just so grateful to God. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Mary A. Larry K. Melanie, thanks so much for your service. Um Larry K recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So again, you know, we're learning about change and you know, when our brains became an indescribable hell from which we couldn't escape. You know, we, we become finally willing to to surrender, to to truly be open to new ways of thinking. And for me, you know, it's it's the the, the tiny crack in that great wall of, of ego that my higher power entered. And you know, my experience is that my higher power came in like a lamb, you know, but sort of remained uh, like a lion, you know. So, I mean, it was so subtle that I didn't even really detect, you know, what was occurring. And, you know, what at first appeared as sort of an imperceptible trickle of faith, you know, eventually for me became a tsunami of belief. You know, most revolutionary changes start at the grassroots, you know, in the and in, in for me, it was in the inner recesses of my mind um, by working these steps. And I think the trouble is that we, we miss, you know, the higher powers um, entry, you know, in its, in its subtlety sometimes. In other words, you know, I know I, I expected to co- God to, to come in some sort of majestic way with, you know, fireworks and trumpets and fanfare and the whole thing. And you see, that was my ego reflecting an unfulfilled wish 
you know, for me, God snuck in while I was distracted by working the steps, you know, engaged in learning true humility that only came as a result of doing the steps. And, you know, we, we were damned if we do, we pick up the food and we're damned if we don't, you know, we're crawling out of our skin, anxious, you know, the bedevilments are visiting us and the, and the steps treat the illness. They enable us to become aligned with the higher power of our own conception that flat out removes the obsession of the mind. That's what happened to me, essentially erasing the damned if you don't proposition. And in this program, you know, it's not how you feel, um, but what you do that counts. Because when you, when you do the right things, feelings tend to improve as a matter of course. But when I spend too much time being overly concerned about uncomfortable feelings, I may never get around to doing what it takes to actually improve. So we focus our, our attention on the mental and physical action that will improve our lives, the steps. And that's the working philosophy of this program of action. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Sharon H., you're next. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, this is Sharon H., uh, grateful, recovering, recovered, excuse me, compulsive overeater in Colorado. Thank you, God. Um, I was just going to zero in on uh, a couple of these sentences in this paragraph. Um, but in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. And then we go down to now our age is characterized by how quickly we discard old ideas for new ideas. We throw those away that no longer work and seek something new, which does. And when I think in, in terms of the material realm, <clears throat> I just think of this phone line meeting, um, you know, people from all over the United States and other countries, and we're all on this line uh, at the same time this morning, even though we're all in different time zones. And, um, and then I think of the big book and the spiritual principles, and those Spiritual principles remain the same. They remain the same as they were when this book was written and um, because those are rooted in spiritual truth and those are the ones that will give us the freedom and the liberation from the bondage of this food addiction. Um, so I'm just so grateful today to see that, um, you know, for a lot of years my mind was completely closed and then um, little by little... Um, God opened it up to more and more of what is the spiritual truth. And uh, listening to this program <clears throat> was the beginning of my freedom from many years of unable to stay stopped and recovered from this um, compulsive overeating. And uh, so I'm just so grateful to be a part of this group. I'm so grateful to be on the line today sharing and listening. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon H. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph on page 52? Paragraph. Sue B. This is Sue B. Kim M. And Vasa O. Okay, I heard Sue B., Vasa O, and Kim M. Let's go with those three for now, and we'll catch up. Good morning, Sue B. Good morning. This is Sue B. from Maryland. Um, and I wanted to focus on the line that says, uh, we throw away the theory or, or gadget, which does not work, for something new, which does. And uh, the thought that came to me was I was raised with a God, but that God 
uh, my conception of that God was always that he was very remote and that if I was a really, really good girl, someday I would get to join that God. And I never had the concept that this God could be personal to me every day and that this God would, could and would lead me if I chose to let him. But I had to do the work on on getting the personal God, and that was I had to get in touch with this higher power and make that contact every day through listening to this program. Uh, That was the beginning of what taught me that I could have a personal higher power. So listening to this program and then working on um, meditation and uh, just doing the footwork, uh, I have... Uh, the door has opened for me, and I get, when I listen, I get messages all the time that I know are the right way for me to go. I never had that before. Um, And the second concept that I wanted to share on was the idea uh, that I would be cured, the physical part of this. uh, As I did the food plan, for years I did this. Uh, I would do the food plan. I would lose the weight. Um, And then my will was so strong that that concept of being cured crept in. And I followed my will, and I pushed God out. I I did not realize that until I came to this program. Um, This listening to this program every morning centers me, and I I am become so totally aware that I have a God in my life and that I will never be cured. And uh, I'm just very, very grateful. And uh, for that, I'll now pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sue B. Vasa O., it's your turn. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. And, Vas- and Vasa O., Recover Compulsive coming calling from Florida. You know, by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was just so sick and tired of trying to put the food down for 25 years of my life trying to control it, to find all the solutions out there in the world. And I came to the end. There was nothing more to try. I, I think I shared once I wanted to have my bi- maybe bypass done on my stomach or have my jaws wired and, or go to hypnotist. Those were three things I wanted to try, but I was so afraid especially a hypnotist, I was afraid they, they might not be able to bring me back. But anyways, um, and then um, my problem was it wasn't working anymore, uh, what I was doing. I was dying. All the ideas needed to be smashed, try a new way, and this way was to, for me to find a power greater than myself. And um, I was ready. I was so, so ready. I just said, I'm dying anyways. So I needed to take a risk. I needed to take uh, a chance, you know, to do that. And for me, it was like a sudden thing. I did surrender, you know, you know, on my knees. You know, that's, that's how I did it. But I hear how the people, uh, you know, have the educational and how the steps brought them to too, and I've had a lot of education, you know, once I came to the program, once I surrendered, you know, working the steps, you know, and uh, understanding, you know, doing one step at a time, 
But for me, the key was to find a power greater than myself, and I did find a higher power, but I never thought it existed. I thought I needed to touch, to see, to believe. Uh, but, I, you know, I did identify with people in the, in the program. I did identify with the allergy. I did identify with the mental obsession, and God just took over me. I threw myself into the program. I, God was not going to bring it on a tray to me. I needed to go out there to the programs. I needed to work the steps, and I'm so grateful um, that what God has done for me that I couldn't do for myself all these years, and I passed. Thank you, Vasa O. Kim M. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Kim. Okay, great. Good morning. This is Kim M., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Texas. Um, in this chapter, they're talking about, like, you had to have a different mindset. Think of something, being willing to think of something new. Well, I had always had a relationship with God. I was volunteering in church every week. I, I was in on committees. and um, But the, the willingness came when I was so beat down by the food and tired of crying myself to sleep and gaining weight and losing weight and the obsession of the mind was horrible. What can I eat? When can I eat? How, how am I going to get it? you know, lying all the time, you know, compulsive, this compulsive overeater is a big liar, you know. Uh, knowing that I just ate, going home and telling my husband I was starving and that I needed to eat. So when I was finally just beat down to a pulp, uh, I, I drugged myself into the room because I just couldn't stand it anymore, walking around in a um food falls all the time, not being able to think clearly. So um, after, then I became willing. And uh, but part of the willingness was like, well, I really didn't want to work the steps. But I understood that um, it's either work the steps or continue down the path that I was going. So Working the steps, I I didn't realize that I could have a better relationship with God because I thought I actually had a good one. And so um, then the willingness came, and I understood that I'll never be able to eat like a normal person. And I had to put that to rest because I kept feeling as if one day I would be a normal eater, and and it's it's not, I have this disease, and it's there, and it's there forever. So um, thank you so much for letting me share, and you guys have a great day. Thank you, Kim M. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? My name's Barbara Harry. B. I'm in Northern Lonnie California. P. Lonnie Barbara. P. And is it Lonnie? Yes. With an L? Okay, great. Anybody yes. else? Barbara B. Okay, Barbara. Great. Let's go with Barbara and Lonnie, and then we can move on. Good morning, Barbara B. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compostable Reader in Massachusetts. And uh, the development of taking a look before we even get back to the subject of God, higher power, 
speaking to agnostics and atheists, to go to other fields and talk about readiness to hear something new, that hammering of readiness, uh, takes me back to the call to always go to step one and look at what makes me ready. What makes me ready is what he says here, looking at the theories and gadgets that didn't work. And on the other hand, looking at what does work by watching the walking, talking, healthy, living, big book people. And um, it takes me back to looking at the theories and gadgets that I just kept holding on to. And when I put those in writing, as I have many times, it's absolutely laughable, the gadgets that I thought would work if I if I wear plastic pants, I'll melt off 100 pounds from my body. And if I go to that other group by this, you know, acclaimed author and look at my problem with my mother, then I won't want to eat and I won't want to live in this crazy fashion. And everybody else in the group, 20 of us, there were 19 people for whom it worked. And I always ate on the way home because I couldn't, by my unaided self, take a look at the problems I had with my mother at that time. So I can put it in writing, I can look at it, I can talk about it, and I can listen to other people, and it becomes very clear that that's what makes me ready. That's what makes me willing to say, well, look at these people. It works. When I came to my first OA meeting many years ago, there were people who were living this big book, and they had only been in OA for three months. I couldn't believe the new people, the transformation, who used to do what I was at that time doing. They took on the new and uh, kept saying, you know, when all else fails, which it did, follow directions. So, um, so here I am each day following directions. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Lonnie, you're next. Good morning, Lonnie P. from Florida, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, Something really jumped out at me this morning as we were reading this paragraph. Um, And, you know, basically going back to the line, you know, how quickly we toss out old gadgets for new. Um, And so I was reminded how quickly I have tossed out so many old things for the latest fad, the latest trend, you know, get rid of my old flip phone, you know, for a smartphone, or or even when it came to the food, the latest diet, um, the latest trend, and all the things that I realized this morning is that the things that were popular, and when it came to the food, it was not so easy to to basically admit that I was powerless over the food, and I couldn't do it on my own. So, so easy to toss out old gadgets and and other things for new, but when it comes to theories or my shame, not so easy to toss out what my old ideas were, you know, until I finally got to the point of conceding my powerlessness over, over this disease and, and the food and, and life. And, and when I finally, you know, grasped the concept and was willing to go with something that in my mind may not have been so popular, and something I wasn't quick to share with others, you know, over time, basically, I'm now to the place where I will freely share this with others, you know. So, so this really just struck me this morning at that, 
how easy it is to hold on to some things and often things that don't serve me um, at versus how easy it is to grasp onto new trends and fads and ideas that, that seem to be popular. And by the grace of God and working these steps, you know, I'm willing to do what I truly believe, you know, wholeheartedly to work um, and, and, you know, work these steps and to be willing to share that with others, um, not to preach, but to share what has so incredibly just worked for me, you know. And when I know that there's other people that are struggling, I tell them that I can share what I have, you know, if they're ready for that. You know, and I know some people that aren't. So, and I know that I can't help them. You know, I can only share, you know, my experience, strength, and hope. And that's that this program and these steps and living and working these steps is what's relieved me from my compulsion to overeat. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Lonnie P. And now I'm going to ask Sally A. to please read the second paragraph on page 52. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. And good morning, A Vision for You. I'm Sally A. Oh, Sally, we lost you there. Press star one. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems, the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. And so what we have here are the bedevilments, and they were my life. Uh, They are a wonderful description of the soul sickness that I lived with in my life. And um, I just want to um, highlight a few words here that um, really speak to my heart. It says here we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems this same readiness to change. And this word change, to change our point of view. And so, you know, whenever we look at the idea of a point of view, you know, when you think about an accident, my life was a train wreck. That's the real truth. My life was a train wreck. When it says we admitted we were, um, you know, in step one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. They were describing my unmanageable life was a train wreck. In the doctor's opinion on XXVI, when it tells us in the middle of the page, right smack in the middle, it did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control, there's that word, control, our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, or were outright mental defectives. So there is a great description description of my bedevilment and my soul sickness. So what it says here that we have to reach a place of readiness 
to change. And I want to tie this in with that last sentence in the last paragraph, because I know a lot will have, a lot of people will have a lot to say about each of these bedevilments. But it uses the word readiness. Go up about four lines. We discarded old ideas for new by the complete readiness with which we threw away the theory or gadget. The readiness. Are you ready? Are you ready once and for all to put this food down and make a change? Because OA is not going to change. God's not going to change. All the things that I blamed weren't going to change. I had to change. And I had to come to the same readiness to change my point of view. And I just want to point out that this word change, a couple of key pages that you may want to look at on page 143 in the middle of the page, it talks about the change that's required in order for transformation. On page 567, it talks about the word change three times in a row in the spiritual experience, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery in the middle of the page followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook and then toward the bottom of the page about five lines up he finally realized that he had undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone so here we see in this paragraph this word change And it leads us to the question, what did I have to change? I was a train wreck. I was a mess. My life was unmanageable. And that is just, uh, it just speaks volumes. And here they're going to break down for us what that looked like. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Who would like to comment on that paragraph? This is Amy. Monica. Amy. Amy, Kim, <laughs> I caught you. I caught you guys. Thanks. I'm just writing these down. I have Amy G, Janice M, Monica T, and Kim G. We'll go in that order. Good morning, Amy G. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Wow, these bedevilments, as they're called, I've also heard them called the promises of the disease. I had every single one of these. I, you know, when I came to Overeaters Anonymous and I thought I found some hope and heard about God as an agnostic, I didn't want to hang around. But I had someone say to me at one point, saying, you know, if your way is working so well, why are you here? You know, I had to concede to what Sally was saying earlier, that my life was a train wreck. I mean, causing the devilments, causing the promise of the disease, for me it was selfishness, self-centeredness, and my self-will run riot talks about this in the next chapter and how it works. Selfishness, self-centeredness, we had to get rid of it or it kills us. And that's what was killing me. You know, these bedevilments came about from my thinking. What do we talk about in this recovery program? A personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And that personality change has to start with the admission of powerlessness and then coming to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. I mean, I had to make some sort of change. Again, if we go to the chapter four, a little bit forward that we're going to get to in a little while, it says here in how it works, we had to let go of old ideas. The result was nil until we let go absolutely. The writer begs, Bill begs of us to be fearless and zero because he knows from experience that until we are willing to believe in something greater than ourselves, outside of ourselves, that the rest of this program will not work. And how important it is. 
And we've already talked about how easily we let go of gadgets for the new thing. I mean, I don't need to know how electricity works when I flip the switch. I don't need to know how my car works when I turn the key in the ignition. I just know that it works. And I see hundreds of people in front of me on this line that are recovered, that are showing me a way. But it starts with a willingness to believe. And what did we believe? What did we read about on page 48? Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as willing and open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. I mean, my life was a mess. And I was prey to misery. I was talk about we couldn't help other people. My life was so self-centered and so narcissistic. There was no way I could see outside of myself. But faced with compulsive overeating destruction, that certainly became, made me willing because I wanted to die. I didn't want to live in my own skin. And I had to be willing to concede that I was powerless and that I had to believe. And for a while, it was just that willingness to believe in those who had recovered and gone before. And then it evolved, and it just took a little bit of willingness to do that. And the fear of not wanting to go back, that persuaded me. And those bedevilments, those bedevilments was part of that persuasion. Self-will run riot. That's what it was doing to me. And I was full of fear, and I was unhappy, and the disease was killing me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Janice M., you're next. Well, thank you. Good morning, good morning, Melanie, and everyone. My name is Janice M. I am a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. Yes, and you notice that I notice here there's not one thing mentioned here about alcohol or food because, you see, that wasn't my real problem. My real problem, my disease, was my living problem. And these are all the, the manifests. This was all my problem, every single one of these. But if you notice, if we change, if we are ready to change, they're going to give us, it says, about a solution. Well, that's what I came here for, was a result. So now my living problem was that I was having trouble with personal relationships. Of course, I was so interested, you know, I was so interested in um, uh, selfish things that I couldn't have a good personal relationship. And I couldn't, and my living problem was I couldn't control my emotional nature. But as I got recovered through the implementation of these steps, I could understand serenity and peace as I do today. You know, was I, I was prey to misery. My attitude was so poor. I was always depressed. Poor me, poor me, my outlook on life. These are the results that are going to happen to you because they happened to me. We couldn't make a living. Well, I told you before that I had a business, but it was really a fear. It was my dad's business because I was so afraid to go into the public school. You know, that I said, oh, I think I'll just work for my father. Big shot, you know. That wasn't on my own. It was fear, fear. Um, And then, you know, was I useless? Of course I was useless because I was in so much self-pity. But you see, that all changed. That's the promises. Once we implement these steps, I was never satisfied. So therefore, I was always unhappy. But all the the, the um, changes came in me today as a recovered person. These all changed within 31 uh, pages where the promises are after, because I couldn't do. Most of all, I got the solution. 
What was the solution? A spiritual awakening as a result of these steps because God did it. God did it for me, and he'll do it for you just by starting, just being willing to change. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Monica T. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, yay, yay, yay. What an important paragraph here. Um, When I read this with my sponsor, when I was first starting going through the process of working the steps, she had me read this paragraph the way it's written. And then she said, okay, these are the bedevilments here. These are torments, tortures, troubles. Now let's read it a little bit differently and see here if you can identify with this. And she said to, um, this is what I said. This is what I read. I am having trouble with personal relations, even abstinent. I can't control my emotional nature, even abstinent. I am a prey to misery and depression, even abstinent. I couldn't make a living, even abstinent. I have a feeling of uselessness, even abstinent. I am full of fear, even abstinent. I am unhappy, even abstinent. I couldn't seem to be a real help to other people, even abstinent. And right there, with reading that that way, I, it gave me some readiness to change my point of view. This is describing a dry drunk or a stark raving abstinent. And I, you know, I was abstinent, but I still had all this stuff. These are the unmanageability areas that are talked about in step one. It was a mess. I was a mess. And that really helped me to see this, that I needed a change. I needed to go on in abstinence was not enough because I was still having all these problems. And how was this going to be solved? It was going to be solved by working through the steps. Cleaning my house would would take care of this. And uh, these are also the opposite of the step nine promises. And today I have those promises as a result of working step nine. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica T. Kim G., good morning. Good morning, morning, Monica. Good morning, Melanie. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. And Monica just took everything I was going to say. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to slam it home. The fact that if food and weight is purely our problem, if that truly is my problem, then I do not need to do the steps because abstinence is my solution. And just as Monica read them, if these bedevilments are there when I am sober, when I am abstinent, that I'm going to need to find another solution. And my personal experience is that these bedevilments haunted me more when abstinent than when I was in the food. Because the food for me was two bites in oblivion. I felt nothing when I was in the food. It was an anesthetic. When I started to come out of that food fog, that's when these bedevilments started to be a prey. A prey is to stalk, to haunt. These things were stalking me. I don't know about you, but when I got really abstinent, people wanted me to eat. People were offering me candy bars because they wanted me to shut up because my emotions were so out of control. So I think it's important for us to look at if you are if you are struggling right now with the food and you get abstinent and happy, 
then you may not need this 12-step program. But if you are a compulsive reader of my type, if you are as seriously alcoholic as I am, and you put down the food and you get abstinent, and you feel good for maybe a couple weeks, there's a lot of people who get 30 days. Not a lot of people get 60 days if they're not working the steps. And why is that? Because these bedevilments are woken up in me when I stop eating because I have no life skills. And Monica talked about the fact that these bedevilments, the solutions are happening in the ninth step promises. And why is that? Because we are acknowledging our true problem in step two. Our powerlessness is over these emotions and these mental twists. And the solution is at step nine because we've taken steps three through three through nine. So I'm just going to compare this since, since uh, Monica took my share. <laughs> the bedevilments. We were having trouble with personal relationships. The promise. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. The bedevilment. We couldn't control our emotional nature. The promises. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. The bedevilment. We were prey to misery and depression. The promise. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. The bedevilment. We couldn't make a living. The promise, fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. The bedevilment, we have a feeling of uselessness. The promise, the feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. The bedevilment, we were full of fear. The promise, we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. The bedevilment, we were unhappy. The promise, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. The bedevilment, we couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. The promise, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. The bedevilment, and most of all, the promise, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And just to slam home, this is, this is not achieved through abstinence. It's through, achieved through working the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Tim G. We have time for two additional people to share on Sheila. this paragraph. Leah, Sheila. I'll take Sheila and then Leah M. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's not much more to say. I mean, everything was said. I just wanted to kind of check in and, and identify how much this particular paragraph helped me on my road to recovery. I, too, was given an assignment to change the we to the eyes, which helped quite a bit. And the only thing I wanted to say was that um, feeling like this does intensify when you put down the things that gives you um, peace. So when I put down those particular foods and those different behaviors, these bedevilments became bigger than life. And the only way that I got some relief and it, after developing a relationship with a trusted sponsor was she just kept telling me, you know, you work the steps and you surrender to a power greater than yourself. And then she directed me to page 83 with the promises and says, this is how you can live. If you surrender this with your whole heart and work these steps as honestly as you can, this will be how you will be feeling instead of that. You know, and the promises always give me so much hope. And I just wanted to identify that and how much this particular paragraph helped me on my recovery. And it's, it's freeing to live in 10, 11, and 12 today. Thanks for the better pass. Thank you, Sheila H. Leah, it's your turn. Good morning. Thanks so much, Mel. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. 
we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. I mean, we are a results-oriented program here. And, you know, looking at this paragraph and reflecting on my life at that time, the results of the way I had been living um, had been terrible, had been everything we just read. Uh, you know, I was having trouble with personal relationships. Check. Couldn't control my emotions. Check. Pray to misery and depression. Check. Couldn't make a living. Check. Had a feeling of usefulness or uselessness, full of fear. Check, check, check. I mean, this was a wonderful behavioral description of unmanageability, of the spiritual malady. And I couldn't argue with this because when I looked back on my life at the time, I realized it wasn't just the eating and the binging and all those facets that puzzled me. It wasn't even the consequences of my binging uh, that puzzled me uh, or that bedeviled me. It was the way I felt abstinent that was so puzzling to me. I mean, I had been given everything, and yet why did my life look like this? The reality was I was having a rough time living. I was not having a rough time compulsively overeating. I did that very, very well. You know, I binged to change the way I felt and to make the world less threatening. You know, I, I, I knew how to do that very well. What I did not know was how to live. You know, and thank God for this program of recovery that introduced me to the idea that I was parading through life as my own higher power, and that failed me miserably. You know, I was, uh, I had unmanageability in every facet of my life, emotional, social, spiritual, financial, from in my family. I mean, this philosophy of self self sufficiency was failing me. I was at the center of the universe, and I was like a pinball machine where you pull back the spring and that metal ball goes around, catapults itself around the machinery, ding, 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 the lights are going, bing, 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 everything was deteriorating. Why? Because, <laughs> because I was at the center. But what if, what if I could find a way to live? where I was not governed by my emotions, by, but governed by a power and principles that were uh, more elevated and spiritually minded. And that process is called recovery. And that's what this is all about, implementing the steps to be in a recovered state of mind, a spirit-guided mind. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And with that, that takes us to the end of our meeting today. So we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that by the serenity prayer. Um, will Terry H. please read a vision for you? A book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. My name is Terry H., recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. A book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in, the morning, in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your fault to him and to your fellows. 
clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.